Welcome back to the Everything Elam podcast, where we talk about life at our beautiful senior living community in Cheshire, Connecticut. Join us to discuss all things wellness, family, faith, lifelong learning, and stay in the know of all things Elam Park has to offer. Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of Everything Elam. I'm Lauren Bedard, the host, and today we have Kelsey here. And in past episodes, we've had actually uh, my Aunt Heather join. So today, Kelsey's mom was able to join us. Her name is Lynn. So one of the things I love about, and this is Kelsey, about (laughs) the culture at Elam Park is the fact that we promote lifelong learning getting people really involved, developing new hobbies, finding things out about themselves that they might not have known before moving to Elam Park. We give a lot of opportunity here to do that. And I view my mom, even though she doesn't live here yet, as a bit of an yet. inspiration. <laughs> she Her story is pretty inspiring because she is someone that really takes to heart lifelong learning and has been figuring out how to do that throughout her life. So I'd love to introduce my mom, Lynn. Hi, everyone. Thank you for coming on the podcast today. I'm really happy to be here. So maybe you can share a little bit about what lifelong learning means to you and your life. Oh, that's a really interesting question. (laughs) Um, Lifelong learning for me means really stepping outside of your box and outside of your comfort zone. And that's where you take chances and really learn who you are as a person and view yourself in a whole different way than you viewed yourself before. So that's been my experiences in life and um, that's what I love about life. But you really need to go outside your box because if you're comfortable and stay in your box, you don't get that growth and that opportunity to view life in a whole different way, with a different lens or a different hat. One of the things I find interesting is when I look at myself, I don't always see things as clearly, but when I look at your life and how you finding things that inspire you really change you as a person. And, you know, I'm sure we'll bring this up shortly, but you've discovered some new hobbies that have really lit something up inside you. And it's very inspiring. Well, thank you. I feel the same way. I do feel lit from within. I love that. And I think that that can be something that's hard because I feel like through life, it's it's all about the different things we go through. You go to high school and then you go you may go to college and then at some point you discover a career. And I think a lot of people kind of put passion in with that. But sometimes you you start a job and it may not be may not feel like your passion right away or it may not be what you love to do. So I've learned, I think, as we get older, I think it's really, really healthy to kind of find new hobbies and not be afraid to try those new things and step out of your comfort zone. And you may find something you love by doing that. Well, sometimes that change is um, forced upon you. So when both my parents died, when I was in, just before I turned 43, one on top of the other, it really was a very literal rug pulled out from my feet. And it forced me to either, I would say, go down a dark hole of depression Mm. (laughs) or to make some changes. Um, I always had kept everything to myself, didn't feel like I had to share anything, felt like it was safer. 
and that I didn't have the resources to deal with what was happening in my life until I started opening up. And then I learned how great people are, how good they are, how, how much they held my hand and how life-changing that was because I didn't let my hand be held before. I didn't think I needed to. And my um, mental image of myself at that time was like in a lake, underwater, and all you could see were a few, few fingers of one hand. That was all that was left of me. That's how, how sad I was. And people held my hand and pulled me up, and for a long time thereafter, they made sure I was okay. Not just like, you know, a week after the funeral going, okay, we're done. They were concerned about me and cared about me and shared their stories about loss. And I found that life-changing for me. I felt it very freeing um, to be more open with people. I don't know why I felt like that was such a, a big risk to share myself with others. And I don't feel that way anymore. I think it's really important now to share my stories and tell people about the risks I've taken because then they start thinking about the possibilities. Because the life you were describing before, you know, high school and college and work, I think of it like a pendulum. And that part of life feels like the middle of the pendulum. And it's not until something happens that the pendulum swings far either way mm. that sometimes gives you that impetus for change. Mm. Um, because even though I made a lot of changes after my parents died, I have felt like that pendulum has swung back to the middle. And I was always looking for something. And I thought it was um, another volunteer activity. And I've done a lot of volunteering. I've taught English as a second language. Um, I took a fresh air fun child in for a couple of weeks one summer. I had a girl from Spain once for a month that wanted to learn English while I was learning Spanish. And, um, and I couldn't find anything that really called me and, um, until now. So, <laughs> I, can I just start? Yeah, so what, what is this? So I read, I'm always reading. I'm an mm -hmm. avid reader. And I'm always reading my iNews on my phone. And I read an article about can you grow after 50? And I went, oh, after 50, I always viewed, this was about crew sweep rowing, like, you know, the college kids do. Mm -hmm. And I always viewed rowing as that kind of a sport. And so I read the article and it was really well written and it was very inspirational. And the author wisely put in links to different rowing associations depending on what state you lived in. Mm -hmm. So I stumbled across the Farmington Valley Rowing Association and um, they had a class this past Mother's Day on Learn to Row. It was a four-hour class. And I asked Kelsey if she wanted to go and she declined. I remember this conversation. Yes. <laughs> and then I had this, you know, I had this little um, war within me it wasn't the devil and the angel, but it was still a war. Should I, shouldn't I, should I, shouldn't I? It felt risky, you know. And then I had the thought, if I didn't do it, I would regret it. Mm. So I took the leap, and I signed up, and I went. And um, she started showing us some of the positions on, I don't know, about six of us, on a rowing machine. She had an herb rowing machine there. And um, then we went out, got a boat, so we had to learn how to lift the boat out of the racks and carry the boat to the water, you know, overhead and then into the water. 
and um, and we rode for hours. And we got back, and one of the gentlemen that was part of the rowing association said to me, well, "What did you think?" And it was just magical. It was just so magical being on the water. Mm-hmm. Um, so because I did the learn to row class, I got to do recreational row. So I started going twice a week, Thursdays after work and early Sunday mornings. And, you know, I'm not the best rower. <laughs> um, getting out of the boat is a bit of a challenge. <laughs> But there's no judgment. You know, I just kind of flop and get up, and everybody's cool. And I've met really nice people. Um, I think I'm in my head too much when I roll. I'm always thinking about sit up straight, lean back a little, you know, look straight ahead. I'm always overthinking the mechanics, but that's not going to stop me from rowing. I just, I don't know. I've just found the missing piece of the Lynn puzzle. And... I feel like I have an inner light within me now. I feel like I have shifted inside as to how I see myself and how I feel. I feel so much happier. I feel at least 15 years younger. I feel like I have so much life ahead of me. And especially at an age where I think people are thinking that they should be retired, they should just take it easy. I don't feel that way at all. I feel energized. I feel just happier at my core. I feel like I have a lot of life to experience and live. Um, I just applied for another job. I had an interview last Monday, and I've been at my company for 43 and a half years. I'm not ready to retire. I have dreams about people talking about retiring in my dream. I'm like, no, I'm not ready. (laughs) I don't want to go. I love working. I like being engaged with people. I like learning. I like growing. Um, I just like love life so much more now. I just feel so good about myself and so good about what I'm doing, and I'm like, well, what's my next adventure? It might be this job, which is really Mm -hmm. exciting, and and that's another step a bit outside my comfort zone, Mm -hmm. but I'm willing to learn and do it because I started rowing. So you you think this change with the hobby has really changed your outlook on life? It has changed my outlook on life. I feel like I'm still me, but I feel like I'm a better version of me. I feel like I'm a person that can still learn and grow and not have to just sit back and wait for life to happen around me. I feel like I'm more engaged with life. I'm part of life just by taking on this hobby. Um, It's fun. (laughs) I do want to point out also, I'm not going to say how old you are, but you are are eligible age-wise to live at Elon Park. And the job she just applied for is with an IT department. Like, you are never to any age to, to change your, uh, well, change anything. No. In fact, some years back, um, somebody was um, doing pink gloves boxing and said, mm-hmm. why don't you come? And I went, okay. And it, I was exhausted by mm-hmm. the end. I was, like, sitting on the floor against a wall going, I can't do this. I, I was exhausted. And it was all women. 
hence the pink gloves. They were so encouraging. They're like, nope, you can do it. We felt the same way too. Keep coming. And I did. I did boxing for years until the wow. gentleman closed the gym. And I was so disappointed. I felt so good. Mm. And again, it was, I think it's that connection with people that's so important. They were really supportive women and women of all ages from, you know, teenage to people in their 70s. And I think that's the other part about the rowing that I like, you know, because you're doing something that everybody likes, you know, they're like-minded people. And there's people that are new and there's people that are young and there's people that are old and there's people that have rowed in the past or people that have just started. And everybody's just happy to be on the water and, and try their best and have fun. And it's just, you know, the wildlife is wonderful. Um, it's just, it's just magical. It's just the best. Well, I, I love that you said it was the regret. You knew that you, you would probably regret it if you didn't try it. So even though you were, you were scared to try to, or start something new, right. you knew that you'd regret it and that kind of pushed you to trying it. That was the deciding factor in my little war within mm -hmm. myself. And I've even said to Kelsey, I said, you know, if for some reason I can't do it next year, I'm so happy to have had this year. It's just yeah. been the best. That's amazing. Yeah, it really is the best. I wish I almost wish we lived in a warmer climate so I could do it more <laughs> often, but yeah, I'll just yeah. enjoy it more when we start again in the spring. So finding a hobby can be challenging because and maybe it's maybe it's just something I have personally no. struggled with, no. but I think sometimes you try something new and you have all these expectations and then you go and it maybe it it doesn't it ends up not being what you thought it was or and I think we can be hard on ourselves and automatically you you think I need to be good at this to enjoy it but I think how would you what would you say to somebody that maybe has tried a new hobby and not, maybe not had the same experience well it's interesting you say that because I just got a new book and I can't think of the name of it but it talks about it's going to talk about the you don't grow unless you fail or try mm -hmm. and you know, the premise of the book is, you know, you always read about people that are successful in their life, like they're great at sports, they're great at this, they're great at that. And it's like, well, what about everybody else? And the everybody else, it's that willingness to try and be uncomfortable and learn and grow from that uncomfortableness is what makes you happy and successful. Mm -hmm. So I think even if you try and don't do well, I think... It's the keep trying, you know, and don't give up after one turn. Was I, you know, I'm still one of the weaker rowers of this group, as I know, because she sits me in the number two seat in the back. But there's times where I get to steer the boat by myself. There's like nine people in that boat, and she goes, okay, Lynn, number two seat. I want eight strokes, because I'm always stroking on the, on the port side, on the right, one oar. And I just sit there every time, and I go, look at me steering the boat look at me. Mm. So it's just, I want to just like cry. It's just like, it's just such a wonderful feeling. Yeah. You know, and then one time she texted me, I was at work and I didn't bring my rowing clothes because we didn't have enough people, even for a boat of four. And she's like, you want to learn to sculpt? Which is when you're by yourself in a boat with tours. And I went, oh, I don't have my rowing clothes. And then I looked down at what I was wearing and I went, Pants are stretchy. Top is stretchy. <laughs> if they get ruined, sew up. I said, I'm in. And she taught me how to row in a boat by myself. Wow. 
and I've done that twice, which is another cool experience because then you're really the master of your own ship. Mm-hmm. The other one, you have to follow the person to in front of you because their their orbs on the same side, so you have to match their pace. But this time, I got to just row if I wanted to, or row with my legs, you know, if I just wanted to, or. Um, try things out on my own without influencing, you know, without affecting everybody else, mm-hmm. which is really kind of cool, too. So, you know, lots to learn, lots to do. Yeah. And I think you also talked about that connection with people, too. I um, I've, I think I've talked about this on the podcast before, but I started going to a gym and I ended up doing one of those challenges and it was just a chance to kind of have a goal and, and work towards it. And I did it with one of my best friends and my trainer ended up leaving the gym and I followed him kind of throughout where he ended up. And I've kind of been going to the gym and working out with the same small group of people, but it's, it's not even like the workout that I look forward to. It's really having that group atmosphere and cheering each other on. And I think we forget how important that is. I think you're right. And especially, you know, even since COVID, it's even more important to keep those connections and everything I've read about being, Older is that social isola- social isolation is really not good for people. And, um, you know, I love when I come here and I just see everybody seems so happy and so friendly and gets to connect with people. And um, I think that's really important, you know. But I think even broadening that is that social connection is really important too. Um, a few months ago, we had a speaker come to Elon Park. She unfortunately was not able to come on the podcast, but she talked about brain health and how to prevent things like dementia and how to keep your brain healthy. And even though the number one thing was exercise, cre- uh, increasing blood flow to your brain, one of the important things she talked about was doing new things, creating those new, I don't know if it's neural pathways or what have you, but doing something new. You know, if you have, if you drive the same commute every day, start taking a new commute home. You know, even little changes keeps your brain younger. So imagine these big changes and these learning new things and, you know, all these new pathways you're forming. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Keeping your brain young. Well, you were trying to drive without your GPS for a bit, (laughs) you know. Trying to, and we get dependent on technology. We do. I try, still, I try not to use my GPS unless I absolutely have no idea where I'm going. Because it's good for your brain to, mm-hmm. to learn these things. Yeah, we just had a little family Christmas party, and uh, someone who came to the party, she brought us like a crossword, um, and it was like Christmas carol songs, but you had to unscramble the name. It was so much harder than I thought it would be. (laughs) And it just, after I felt like, it feels like a workout for your brain, but it it feels good to kind of do something challenging and push yourself even in that way. Um, I know we do that with our residents here. We have little um, games that they play and we do brain exercises, they're called, in our fitness and wellness center. So, I mean, it's definitely important. I think no matter what stage in life you're in, even if you're working, it's nice to take like even a half hour break in your day and just focus on something else and kind of work on something else so you can take your mind off what you're doing for even a little bit. It never really escapes you, but it's sometimes it's good. I always say it's good to let things percolate. Right. You know, I don't like to get things done quickly just to check the box to get them done. I like to do them well and I like to do them right. Mm-hmm. So sometimes if the weather, weather permitting and I'm time permitting, I'll take a walk at lunchtime 
and I might be listening to a book or you know an audio book or something but you know the wheels are always turning and sometimes I'll think of questions or um, things that are related to work that I hadn't thought about before that you know add value to what I was doing and because you let your mind rest a bit from that intense activity sometimes and only because you brought up doing things well I also wanted to mention that you found a love of baking later in life, and it's something you have definitely excelled at to the point that people have paid you to make things for parties or for events. And That's true. It's something you've kind of become known for. <laughs> I am. At work, they call me the teen baker. But I find that baking is a way for me to um, show people that I appreciate them and thank them. So... Like when I get my oil changed, I'll bring cookies um, every time. Every time. Every time. That's so sweet. <laughs> um, when I was renovating my bathrooms, um, Kelsey and I would we'd be at a plumbing store one week, we'd be at the tile store the other week. This was like a year-long adventure, this, these two bathroom remodels. But you know what? They were overdue. It was a lot of, a lot of money, and it was big decisions, and I took my time, but I would bring cookies. To the... Know? You know, you have such a reputation to the point that I went into that plumbing store recently for myself. And when they saw me, I had to apologize for not coming in with cookies. So (laughs) (laughs) I really should start doing that. You're a great influence. But I don't think people people get thanked enough, Mm -hmm. especially people with, I don't know, service or retailing kind of jobs. Because, I mean, it was memorable for me at the, where I get my car serviced, one of the one of the guys came up to me and said, are you the lady that bakes the cookies? And I said, yes. And he goes, well, my name's Zach, and I just want to thank you and tell you how much we appreciate it. And that meant so much because I would do it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I don't, I don't think people get thanked enough. They don't get that little pat on the back mm. that they all, we all need and deserve right. at times. We all need that. Yeah, I love seeing, there's been, I feel like a lot of people started doing little um, shelves outside their house for delivery drivers or like mail carriers, because obviously that's such a demanding job. They're going all over the state and all over, um, and just even just a little bag of chips or like a Gatorade or a water, I think it, that can, yeah. I handed something to the Amazon driver the other day. She's like, like, thank you, you know. Yeah, those things just, I mean, you have no idea how much you can make someone else's day and how, I think, honestly, it just, it can trigger that person doing something nice for somebody else. So I love, it's it's almost like you go through a drive-through, you pay for the person behind you. It's nice to, to see good and to, or do something good and then it gets repeated a lot of the time. I think it's really important. I think it's really important to talk about um, the, the, the changes um, or the things that impact you because you never know who that will help and who that will influence. So um, after my parents died and I became much more open about my experiences in my life and the things that I was doing, um, I talked about it a lot. It was good for me. It was healthy for me. And I thought it was important. And one of the people I work with um, said to me at one point that she always remembered my story and she ended up applying for a job that she wouldn't have applied for before she heard my story. And she ended up getting it. And I was so happy she shared that with me. And so 
I probably bore people to death with this rowing story, but I no. just, <laughs> I just have so shifted in myself. I mm. feel so much better and younger and have such a zest for life that I just can't help talking about it. That's amazing. We are recording this podcast the week before Christmas, mm-hmm. and I'd love for you to share that story you told me earlier about decorating the tree. Oh, all right. So I normally haven't liked decorating the tree because I'm always thinking of the undecorating the tree part, and it always feels like that's such a chore mm-hmm. that it took the joy away from the decorating part. Except this year, I was putting the lights on and that joy I feel inside now from rowing has translated to I felt joyful decorating the tree for the first time in like forever. And it felt so good. It just felt so good to be, I feel happy. That's really what it is. I feel such a happiness now. Well, I feel like the holidays can be such a such a joyful time and so happy and for some people it's not though and it could be bad memories or um this is actually my first Christmas without my grandfather he passed away over the summer and he loved Christmas so much so it's weird doing traditions that normally would include him without him and it it can feel like it can feel very down and and just so different than it used to be so I think it's it's hard to kind of keep that memory alive especially the first year without just feeling really down about it um so I think even hearing your story it's been inspiring to listen to today well I think it's important for someone in your position if you have the influence to do it to change things up mm-hmm. so I remember my mother-in-law doing that after her husband died my father-in-law died so instead of having a sit-down meal she had a buffet you know, and it's it wasn't to forget him. It was just to make it a little less painful. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought that was really wise on her part. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's that going outside your box a little, not keeping everything the same, that you can still have Christmas and that same feeling and mix it up a little bit. Yeah. I will share that time does do good things. Um we talked, Lauren and I were talking earlier about some Christmas memories, and there's one memory I have that I'm so glad I have. You know, it's it's been a few years since my father passed away, and now I can look back on certain memories with joy instead of with sadness or have it, you know, be so sharp. So there was the Christmas before he was diagnosed with cancer, I took him to the White Horse in uh, near Litchfield in, in Marbledale, and that's somewhere that Elon Park actually has the residence go semi-frequently out to dinner. It's a beautiful restaurant in the country. And he and I sat by the big old fireplace and had hot toddies (laughs) before dinner. And it's such like a nice Christmas memory now. I'm so Mm -hmm. glad we got to do that. Um, And it's not something I really thought about around Christmas time, I think until this year, because now it's something that brings happiness, that I have these memories I can look back on. So Mm -hmm. that will come your grandfather this year will be tough because it's doing things without him but hopefully you get to the point where you can just look back on these things and feel happy yeah and like something he loved to do he would stay with my family at Christmas because they lived in South Carolina and he would come up to Connecticut and he'd go to the store and he'd buy as many inflatable things as he could and (laughs) my parents would be like what are you doing to our house but when we were little it was just we would 
be so happy to see all of that. And my parents, it was kind of hard. I mean, you're working, you're running around before Christmas. It was always hard to get like the lights on the house. And this year, my dad was so excited because he put lights everywhere. So it's nice to see even the traditions that we can keep. And now every time I, I pass the house, I just see all the lights and it, it reminds me of him. So I think it's good to keep those small traditions and and honor people in that way and and continue to have those traditions live on for generations to come. Well, you know you'll pass them on too. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you know, actually, here's a, here's a memory from my mother. Um, I don't think I've ever had a Christmas where we didn't eat fluffy orange pancakes. Mm -hmm. And now that my sister has a child, I don't think she's ever going to have a Christmas where they don't make fluffy orange pancakes. So I get to thank my mother for that one. What is a fluffy orange pancake? <laughs> well, when I, was, when I was in the hospital after I'd had my, my first child, Kristen, my aunt didn't bring a traditional baby gift. She brought me this cookbook <laughs> called Connecticut Cooks. It was put out by the American Cancer Society. It was like one of those little, they look almost homemade with the spiral bound. And there was a recipe for fluffy orange pancakes. And I'm not a big pancake fan. I think they're a bit like sinkers. I don't know. <laughs> I don't love them. But the fluffy or orange pancakes have grated orange rind and orange juice and you separate the yolks and the, and the whites and you beat the whites separately which makes them fluffy and then you make an orange butter with mm. a little confectioner sugar and orange rind and butter that you spread on top almost like frosting mm. they are the best pancakes ever and they're a little time intensive to make they're not just dump everything in a bowl they oh, three bowls, <laughs> three bowls yeah <laughs> so they're they're a special occasion breakfast that we've been doing my whole life and that is something that you know, we'll live on in Mackenzie. Yeah, Aww. she's doing it too. <laughs> That's so fun. And it, Ashley was just watching a video of her when she was like three, making them at my house one time. Um, so it was really kind of fun. I'll have to try. You'll have to give me the recipe. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what is your favorite uh, Christmas cookie? Christmas cookie? You know, I'm not a huge Christmas cookie person. That's not something that we did growing up. You know, we did have a neighbor that would bring by the Italian cookies. I love anything with almond in it. Um, but I, I, I love a good chocolate chip cookie. Mm, me too. <laughs> um, it doesn't have to be specifically Christmas, though I do love decorating Christmas cookies. Um, when I worked, I worked at a bed and breakfast in college, and there was one Christmas that the owners had gone away and just left the staff to run it. And so we ended up having our friend Christmas party in that kitchen. And we baked cookies and had everyone decorate in this beautiful bed and breakfast. And so those memories popped up online recently. <laughs> it's been a number of years now. Um, but I, I enjoy more the act of making Christmas cookies rather than eating them. Eating them. <laughs> what about you, Lindy? Or maybe it's a Christmas recipe that you love. Well, I bake cookies all the time. So anytime I watch one of those HGTV shows and they show the mixer in a cabinet and it comes up in a stand and I'm like, no. It has to be on my counter. It has mm -hmm. to be accessible. I probably bake at least three times a week. I mean, wow. constantly baking. So I don't really have a favorite cookie, but my brother is having what he calls crimbus. So he's having Christmas the Saturday after Christmas. And they've gotten a little competitive. So instead of just having a meal, we're all making a salad this year. 
and he wants cookie. Cookie or bar cookie? I'm going to interrupt. Every year, it's a different food competition. Right. <laughs> and it is a competition. It's a competition. Mm-hmm. So one year, it might be soup and a pudding. Or another year, it might be... It's an appetizer. Appetizer, and it has to be some kind of pie. So every year, it's different. Mm-hmm. There are criteria. There are voting criteria. There are points. It is very competitive. Well, I haven't won yet, even when there's baking involved, which really is like bringing out my competitive side. So he's... For the cookie this year, I think I'm going to make junk into trunk. Ooh. And it's a cookie with like pretzels and potato chips and chocolate chips and butterscotch chips and... Marshmallow? Maybe? No, I don't think there's a marshmallow. Mm. I don't know. It's got everything but the kitchen mm. sink in it. And uh, I think that might be the winner this year. I'll let you know. My mom's side is very Swedish. And there's this Swedish... It's called Spritz. They're almost like little shortbread cookies, but I think you need this like special machine to make them. But we have a family friend that makes them so perfect, and she'll give my mom a little like dish on Christmas, and we always try to find where she hides it because they are so good. Oh, <laughs> All right, I changed my answer. Russian <laughs> tea cakes are probably my favorite. Oh, you like those bourbon chocolate sablés? I like everything, <laughs> <laughs> including but- my box mix brownies <laughs> for Christmas. Um, one of my old coworkers used to make something. Now I know they're Russian tea cakes, but she mm. she used to make up names for them, and I used to call them burnt butter cookies. She used to brown mm. the butter first. Um, but that's probably like that snowball type shortbread yeah. is my favorite. I made brown butter chocolate chip cookies a couple. It was like a couple weeks ago, and the first time I tried, I burnt the butter, but that's kind of like the picture they show you. It's very. It, I just made it a little too brown. Um, but they have this like caramel taste. They're so good. So I need to make those again, maybe before the holiday. <laughs> you can make Rice Krispie treats with brown butter too. Mm-hmm. They're a little more adult. <laughs> yeah, I would. I would never have thought to do that, but I saw the recipe and I tried it, and they were very, See? very good. And even though you burnt the butter, you'd do it again. I did. I tried again. There you go. <laughs> and you, speaking of hobbies, something I've been really trying to do is bake bread. We talk about it at work sometimes. Um, we have this gorgeous new test kitchen here at Elam Park, so maybe one of our chefs can do some demos. But I have made focaccia pretty well, but sourdough I have had no luck with. So that is something that, that's a hobby I'm hoping to uh, work on in 2024. I think that's both of our 2024 New Year's resolution, <laughs> and we can be our support, each other's yes. support systems for that. <laughs> yeah. I really want to start baking bread, even though I don't really eat bread at home. <laughs> I'll bring it. I'll bring it here. That'll be my version of cookies. I'll just bring sourdough wherever I go. Yeah, (laughs) I've always loved to cook, but baking, I'm not. It almost feels more like a chore because it's so. I feel like you have to get the measurements just right, especially with things like yeast and things like that. I feel the same way. That's why I love to cook. I love to Mm -hmm. cook. You can give me a stranger's fridge, and I'll make a three course meal out of what I find. I love it, but I I don't love to bake. I love directions so even if I cook I want a recipe Mm -hmm. I want directions I want measurements I like I like order Mm -hmm. are you sure we're related I I was going to say Kelsey she always has these little concoctions she'll come in on like a Monday after a weekend and be like guess what I made and it's I I need to start writing down the things that you say (laughs) because they all sound so good yeah well you cook like my father yeah 
he was a very seat-of-the-pants cook. Yeah. You know, if he made something that we liked, my brother and I would go, oh, this is so good. He goes, well, enjoy it because you won't have it again because <laughs> I just opened the fridge and threw things together. It's my yeah. favorite thing to do. Yeah. We're all foodies in our office, even though I'm a picky eater. <laughs> Kelsey has pushed me you past You know what me. you like. <laughs> yeah. And I know what words not to say. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not a fan of, like, yogurt and <laughs> doesn't – I don't like that. <laughs> She's a texture girl, and I, I, I do – I get it. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting. Speaking of textures, I never liked pie. Mm. And I would always eat the filling, no matter what it was. Fruit, custard, and I would throw the crust away. Yeah. And then I get to the point where I would maybe eat the bottom of the crust, but never that end. Ooh, no, no, no. And then because I bake now, I said, well, even if I don't eat it, I really should master crust. So I was in Ohio, and I went to a million-dollar books and found a really good um, pie-baking book. from It's called 420 Blackbirds. It's from a, a bakery in Brooklyn. And um, so I've been, I've been making that pie crust, and I'm going to tell you, <laughs> I love crust now. And I thought it was a textural thing, mm. but I really think it was that, um, that I was eating store-bought crust, and they were terrible. Mm-hmm. And that's really why I didn't like them. And once I had really good crust with unsalted butter and lots of layers and flakiness that I went, now I love the crust. It's like my favorite part. Well, I always say I was a picky eater through school, through high school, until college. I got a job as a chef. I, I got trained by the previous person at this bed and breakfast. And there were so many things that I would cook for people that weren't things that I normally would have eaten, but I felt a sense of obligation to taste things before I fed them to other people. That was the first time I had sweet potato. <laughs> that was the first time I, you know, I didn't even eat eggs. You know, I was I was a picky eater till college, but once I started cooking for other people and taking pride in what I made and trying new things, I got over a lot. I mean, I still have a few limitations, but I really got over a lot of my stuff because I would cook it myself and try different things and figure out what I liked. There were vegetables even that I didn't think I liked until I figured out roasting them makes them taste better than when you steam them, that kind of thing. Look at that. You went outside the box. Look at that. No (laughs) boxes for me. I feel like Elon Park does that so well. I mean, we have an amazing executive chef, Chef Roy. Hopefully we can get him on an episode (laughs) soon. Um, but we, we have like different culture nights and I feel like the food here is so, it just, there's so much variety and there's so many different, um, cultures that are represented. And I feel like the residents are able to really, if they have a favorite meal that they ate growing up or maybe their favorite holiday dish, I feel like our chefs are so receptive and so willing to, to meet them where they are with that, which is great. (laughs) I think we're lucky in this day and age that we can have food from different places, mm-hmm. you know, um, and try it. I think when, I know when I was younger, there really wasn't much variety. Things mm-hmm. were really kind of bland. And, and canned. <laughs> and bland and, you know, quote-unquote American. And now I think there's just such a richness mm-hmm. to trying foods from other places and spices. And yeah, it's really fun. I think that's where I started being a little bit more adventurous is we traveled to Europe and Israel last year and we were in Greece and I 
you're, you're kind of forced to try things because it's one of those things you'll regret it if you don't. Um, and I, it's funny how you'll try something and you're like, you know, I actually love that. I can't believe I didn't give that a chance. Or I think trying new things goes beyond even hobbies and <laughs> right, <laughs> even right. with food, it's important. And it's trying new things really where when it comes down to it, I think it's good for the soul. Yes. Even if you try something and you don't like it or you're not good at it or whatever, Trying new things makes you grow as a person. You will never know unless you try it. <laughs> never know. It's true. Well, Lynn, I cannot thank you enough for coming on here today and sharing your story. Um, and we just, it was so great to have you on and learn more about your hobby and your life. Um, so for our residents listening, obviously lifelong learning is something that we practice here at Elam Park. So it will definitely be talked about on future episodes. But thank you to Kelsey and Lynn for coming on today. And we wish you all a Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays. And we'll talk to you on the next episode. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.